Hi everyone, it's Erin with Tall Ships America, and you are listening to A Bark, A Brig, and A Schooner Walk Into A Bar, a podcast where I get to know the people in our Tall Ships community. We swap stories, share experiences, and I laugh. A lot. Today's guest is Captain Mike Fiorentino with Schooner Sultana in Chestertown, Maryland. I've known Mike for a long time, and apparently longer than I thought. Last time I saw him, he was the really first mate on the tall ship Alyssa during the Gulf Coast Tall Ships Challenge series in 2018. We spent most of the events laughing about past shenanigans and promising and then not following through on sunrise yoga. Once again, this was recorded via Zoom, and once again, we persevered. Thank you, Mike, so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to talk to me. So busy right now. (laughs) So if you could do me a favor, just uh, name, position, and organization, that would be great. Michael Fiorentino, Captain Sultana Education Foundation. Can you tell me a little bit about Sultana Education Foundation? We're, we're not that big compared to a lot of the other Tall Ship America kind of operations. We started with the Schooner Sultana, which is a replica of a 1768-built colonial uh, naval vessel. So it was, a, it was a naval vessel for, the, for the, what was then the British Navy. Um, but it was built in 2000 by uh, our local shipwright, John Swain, who's still very actively involved with us. But in addition to that, over the years we've grown, we also have a canoe and kayaking program um, that does a lot of stuff as well. We have a building that we opened about three or four years ago where I'm sitting now called the Holt Center, which kind of acts as a community uh, and land-based kind of education portion of what we do. Why that type of vessel? It's the 1768 British Navy Naval Schooner. Why is that significant in the Chesapeake? What's the, what was the reasoning behind, behind that? That's a, that's a great question. We get that a lot. Oh, you do? Oh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very unique boat. There's she is a, very unique. Yeah, there's not a lot of other great examples of New England colonial vessels. There's not, I mean, there's Lady Washington, who's kind of about the same time period. Really, just the two of us are kind of the only boats that are of that time period. So Sultana's an interesting boat in that she was, she was very well documented. Um, and the reasons for that are, are lost to history. But so she was privately built. She was built on speculation. Um, so a yard uh, in Boston started building her for a gentleman who was going to use her as a coastal trader. He then lost his shirt kind of in the process of building the boat. So the yard owners then went to the English Navy through a family connection and like, hey, will you buy this boat off us that this guy kind of can't afford to pay for? Uh, they then took the boat to England, had the boat surveyed by the Navy, and the Navy agreed to buy it. For whatever reason, uh, John, our shipwright, has said, uh, he likes to say the, uh, the, the day they were surveying this vessel, surveying Sultana, it must have been the guy's first day or he got in trouble or something. <laughs> it's a very thorough set of notes. Um, like compared to the boat, the other boats of that time period, there's a lot more information about this boat. So consequently, what that's meant over time, there's also a great set of logbooks. Um, which most Navy boats have. But over time, this boat's become a particularly interesting model. Um, Like there's a model you can still buy today of it. So it's very popular with the model makers. Um, And John, our shipwright, uh, he built it as a child. Uh, He built the boat. Uh, (laughs) I always had an interest in it. And John and Drew, who's our president, they work together at another uh, organization here on the Eastern Shore called Echo, Echo Hill Outdoor School. And they have um, a skipjack, a pair of work boats, a by boat. They do stuff very similar to what we do. Uh, they met working there. And I guess at one point while they were restoring the skipjack, they started talking. And John was like, oh, I always wanted to build this colonial schooner. And he <laughs> broke Drew in. And then uh, 
sorry from there the boat did historically um the original boat uh did work in the chesapeake she was in the um, mostly off the mouth of the potomac enforcing the towson acts i believe for about nine months it was uh, the towson acts were part of like the stamp acts they were a tax collector they're basically making sure that people were paying taxes so the boat was in the chesapeake for a while but it never came to chestertown or up the chester river or anything like that but uh, she's surprisingly work. fast for a boat that is in my recollection a little is she a little beamy a little beefy uh, um <laughs> She's a little bathtubby, I think. A little bathtubby, I think that was the. Very, very bluff. I was trying to be polite. One of our one of our previous captains, uh, your good friend Jamie Trost, often describes the bow as uh, specifically designed to keep her from going too fast. Oh. <laughs> but you've won the Great Chesapeake Bay Schooner Race twice. Uh, three, three out of the last four years. But three out of the last four years, nothing to shake a stick at. That's rather impressive. Uh, well, <laughs> that's a lot of handicapping. She moves pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of handicapping there. You know, that helps out with that. Oh, come on. Yeah, she's a, she's a. I, I, Sultana's interesting in that um, she is very maneuverable. I would I wouldn't describe her as like the 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 fast. I mean, her water line. She's only about fifty feet on the water. Um, for 100 feet overall. Um, I mean, compared to even like Lady Maryland, like Lady Maryland and Sultana take up the same dock space and they have the same sail area and they weigh the same. Um, but Lady Maryland's a much faster, more maneuverable vessel because she has a much longer water line and much more okay. sail area. But she is very maneuverable for her size because of that weird sail plan that was kind of coming. What's her weird sail plan? For, for, those, for those listening yeah, yeah. that aren't as familiar with Absolutely. Sultana as we are. Absolutely. <laughs> She has her square topsails, um, and everything else is fore and aft rig. And even that fore and aft rig below those square topsails is a bit unique in that the the foresail is is loose footed. Um, similar examples are the Pride of Baltimore's foresail uh, or Amistad's foresail, um, whereas the main has has the boom and looks a little more, you know, I think what we expect out of you know traditional gaff rig sails. Uh, and then she has that wild head rig that seems to go on forever. <laughs> Again, similar to those like. <laughs> Pride or Lady Washington mm -hmm. and other boats of this era that have that, that head rig that just seems to stick out forever. We met each other back in 2009, I remember. You were the right. chief mate in Pride of Baltimore, uh, aboard Pride of Baltimore, right? Wasn't even at 2006, or were you around then too? I was uh, in the Great Lakes in 2006, were you? Yep. I was were in Deckhand on Pride. You know, honestly, like 2006 oh, is. Man. <laughs> It's such a blur. I didn't know anyone. Like this was my first time in like in the industry. I have I have vague, very vague recollections from 2006, and and it starts to solidify a little bit more in 2007 as I started to get to know each other. But I don't remember meeting you in 2006. Oh, I man. do apologize. But you are very formative in my memories of 2009. So oh, how's that? Oh, but I oh, think good. that might have had to do with the short shorts. Was that 2000? <laughs> I think that was 2008, wasn't it? No, 2008 was the West Coast. I get very confused. No, okay. 2009. It was a lot of, uh, it was the summer of like milky thigh. <laughs> <laughs> those were great shorts. They, they were short. got those from a, um, like an Army Navy store that was going out of business. They were like marine issue swim trunks. They were yeah, they were like Speedos. Yeah, yeah. They were, I have, were it's like else. burned into my memory. It's just... <laughs> And then I was like, who is this, who's this guy wearing these really short shorts? He's kind of cranky and he has hinges cranky. tattooed oh, on the geez. back of his knees. I was like, who is this? What have I gotten myself into? <laughs> <laughs> and you were, we were very, you were very cranky that summer. That was a great Pride of Baltimore crew. 
That was a great Pride of Baltimore crew. That was yeah, very yeah. cool. A lot of great friends from that group. Also, one of the most epic parties I was at. And I mean, obviously, there's a lot of after hours activities that go on during the Tall Ships events. And, <laughs> um, and they do tend to kind of blur together. But I remember by far one of the coolest parties was on Pride of Baltimore at Rose Wharf. I don't know oh, if you remember yeah. this. It was torrentially yeah, yeah. raining. And all I remember is Maddie Oates playing the crap out of his violin mm -hmm, as like mm -hmm. the rain is pouring down. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a fun, fun. And everyone was dressed up, right? It was a, it was a black tie so. party, right? I think yeah. everyone get dressed up. So, or asked everyone to get dressed yes, up. Yes, asked everyone. That was, that was very cool. So you graduated from the Tisch School of Arts at NYU with a major in theatrical design and production. Yeah, so in college, I built a lot of scenery and design. And then after college, I was in a big union shop where we designed and built scenery. And I kind of got into that from high school. Like I did a lot of like stage crew in high school. I worked with like a, um, like a general contract, you know, putting decks and roofs and stuff. And so I kind of came into the background of like building stuff. Uh, I saw Opsale 2000 in New York, I guess, just as a person, um, which was kind of my <laughs> experience. Um, you know, like, <laughs> I guess everyone's a person, right? <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a person who did not work on boats. I didn't right, know as, a, as a casual I, I observer. As a, yes, I experienced Opsale as a casual observer. <laughs> and was pretty amazed. I was like, oh, man, these boats are pretty great. Uh, and I also like kind of from like the carpentry background, like having built lots of furniture and stuff, I was like, oh man, wooden boats are pretty neat things. Like they're pretty complex, pretty interesting things. Um, which is kind of how I, and I, I have an uncle who lives near Iris up in Newport. Um, and so I went into Iris and a couple things there while I was still in the union shop. Um, I actually, I worked a job, this really funny job where I was loading in some scenery and there's this gentleman who, uh, he was one of the volunteers at Rock the Boat up in the Bronx. Um, and he was like, oh man, you should check these guys out. <laughs> so I went and went and checked and I volunteered with them for a bit and was kind of building boats um and they were pretty fun it was great they were a great group of people great organization still around and then uh they were kind of just like you know there's this museum downtown that has a bunch of these boats and will teach you how to sail too I was like oh this is crazy <laughs> after a while I, I I don't I don't I mean it was certainly never like a, an obvious choice like looking back at it 20 years later it's easy to say like um it was a step towards community and involvement, kind of wanting to be, you know, not in a union shop. That kind of felt mm -hmm. a little, building union scenery was great, it paid well, but like, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't super gratifying, I think, in the end, at least for me. Um, whereas, you know, being on the water every day with a bunch of kids and doing stuff at South Street was great, uh, or at Rock the Boat, uh, working mm -hmm. with kids building boats was pretty great. So, I mean, it was, I, I, it was a slow transition. It didn't happen overnight. Um, like I was still in the union through the early, like through like 2005, 2006. Um, but I was working at South street as one of the, uh, relief crew members on the pioneer. Yeah. And then eventually I decided that, uh, I didn't want to live in New York and I was going to work on pride. I guess is how old I have it. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. It so was, you it didn't was, really it was, have... it was a roundabout kind of way from... I guess I got there through the carpentry, I guess, you know. Yeah, what which kind of makes sense. You know, it's a wooden vessel. You like building things. It seems like a natural, it seems like a natural interest. It's not like, you know, you're like a welder or something all of a sudden, right. you know. <laughs> this, this, this totally makes sense. But you didn't really come from a sailing background at all. It was just something that you kind of fell into through, through carpentry. Yeah. I mean, I had done some sailing as a kid, but no, like none of my family is 
sailor. You know what I mean? Like summer camp stuff. Like yeah, a yeah, casual. Yeah, yeah, very casual. Right. <laughs> so you were in Pride of Baltimore for how long? Uh, about five years. And then where'd you go from Pride of Baltimore? Um, after Pride, I went and worked on the Europa, the Dutch bark. Yeah, cool. Uh, where'd you go? Uh, I got on in Brazil and did the, one of the seasons in Antarctica. It was pretty oh, wild. Oh, how was that? Yeah, it was great. It was, I mean, it was super cold. I don't ever want to go back. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, no. glad, I'm glad I, I'm glad like I didn't Like tank tops watch. and short shorts, that wasn't, that wasn't the norm, Mike? <laughs> um, I've never been a big fan of the cold, but it was great to go see it. I'm glad I did it. It was awesome. I do know several people who um, have sailed in, in Europa, and but you're the first person on this podcast to oh, have man. sailed. Yeah, so maybe we're going to get into it a little bit. I mean, how cool it must be to sail to Antarctica. I mean, that's just, that's a little it's awesome. bonkers. It's that's awesome. Bonkers. Yeah, it's, it's really pretty <laughs> great. I, the Europa is an amazing vessel. She's a big steel, um, old, she was a light ship. Um, that was converted uh, to become a big bark. So she's a great, amazing vessel, very comfortable down below. They have a phenomenal kind of set of officers um, and a pretty, when I was there, a pretty regular bunch of officers and a regular bunch of kind of um, cooks and people like that that kind of kind of keep the boat very, very comfortable, very homey. Did, was it um, um, Klaus who was the captain when you were on board? He, he was there for a couple of the trips uh, and Eric was as well. Uh, yeah. who I believe is still there. And there yeah. was a Rob, who I believe has since retired. Since Oh, yeah. Rob, who kind of looks like um, Big Jagger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and Klaus definitely, and Klaus <laughs> looks like Poseidon. But yeah, no, they're, they're a great bunch and they, they, they do a great job. But yeah, sailing down there is amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's bumpy across. It's a lot of taking care of passengers and people on the way across because it's pretty, um, it, can get, it can get pretty bouncy. Yeah. Um, How long uh, is that crossing, I, Mike? Uh, I re- it's been a long time. I remember being like four or five days across. Okay. All right. If I remember correctly, the trips are about three weeks each, like two and a half, three weeks. And I think it's like four or five days across, like a little over like, like 10 days down there and then like four or five days back. Um, but yeah, it can get pretty bouncy. I, I never got seasick, knock on wood. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but a lot of other people did. There were some bouncy trips across. Um, yeah, uh, I've seen were, those photos, like the, yeah. I mean, the ship heeled over and the water is like across the deck and it looks so cold. <laughs> oh, it's so cold. It's cold Just... all the time. Um, yeah, and then the, and all the stuff you see is amazing. I mean, you see so many whales, just all the penguins, all the birds, and they always had such a great group of people who were on board. A lot of the passengers, like a lot of these passengers, like this would be something they'd be like a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity for them to go to do this. Um, so, I mean, people would have like, oh, I want to see this bird and really excited about it. So like I mean, the passengers brought such a great energy to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was always a great sense of naturalists they had on board. And again, the ones that, that were there when I was there had all been pretty regular, um, who also brought just a great energy energy to it so yeah no it's very very exciting it was a lot of work and yeah it was always cold <laughs> I don't ever want to be that cold ever again <laughs> but you are there we should clarify that you are there and it's December January so it's there like the be height of their summer summer yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's still it's Antarctica so. yeah it wouldn't be it wouldn't be capable during their winter time no nah, no the year I was there too it was um 
the I'm going to mispronounce this, but the Vela Sudamerica year. Oh, yes. So we then got, got, to, got to participate with all the South American naval vessels and a bunch. Of, so we, there was a whole photo shoot we did, like right off of Cape Horn. Yes, it I remember. Like magically, I've seen those. Yes. Like, yes. It was like magically like the only non-windy day of the year. So everyone <laughs> had like everything set. And there were these <laughs> helicopter flyovers and it was pretty wild. Um, did you really travel bunch. with that? With the Vela Sudamerica tour, or was it just during that time when they were at uh, Cape Horn? Uh, I don't 100% remember, but I remember doing a number. I don't remember if they did all of them, because then I got off at some point, like, on the west coast of South America. Like, I, I got off in Peru or Colombia. But, so I, I think Europa did most of it. I'm trying to think where else they went. Did they go to, like, did you go to Valparaiso or anything? Oh, Valparaiso was amazing. Eee, that's so yeah. cool. I've seen photos. I mean, it's literally built on a cliff on the edge of the ocean. That's incredible. Um, the wild can, little verticulars that go up and down the cliff. Yeah. Is it? How long are you guys there for? I, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this is, I always get lost in the details. I mean, don't quote me any of this stuff. I won't um, quote you, but we are recording, so. <laughs> I, mean, I remember being, I mean, I remember having so much fun in Valparaiso. I feel like we were there for four or five days, but maybe it was just a weekend. I don't remember. It does look really incredible. It's small too. I think, because I, I looked into it, of course, I was like, oh, what is this amazing, magical place? Um, but it's a small city, right? It's yeah, it's, only very, like... it's just a port town. Like Santiago is like the really the big city. And I think it's really just a port for all that. But yeah, it was amazing. There were tons of great boats too. Like, the, like all the South American naval vessels were around, which mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. Uh, it was a great atmosphere of those guys. I, mean, I don't want to say it was like one-upmanship, but like all those babies were very, very proud to all be there. So the boats were all beautiful. Everyone mm-hmm. was sailing them really well. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was very welcoming. There were tons of like great like uh, events uh, mm-hmm. and all the captains took turns hosting events on board. So yeah, there was tons of great stuff going on. It was really, really neat. You know, what an amazing opportunity. Like uh, this is all part of your career and that you get to sail to all these amazing places. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's one thing I miss. I mean, I, I, I love living on the Eastern Shore these days. It's very nice and quiet, but uh, I'm glad I spent most of my 20s and 30s wandering around. Right. Uh, seeing all this great stuff. So from Europa, then where did you go from Europa? Um, I left uh, the Tall Ships fleet for a little bit. I mean, I was very lucky to get to work on Europa. Not a lot of Americans uh, get to do that. That was uh, very fortunate. Uh, and then from there, also very lucky, something that not a whole lot of, I would say, American tall ships there get to do. I got to go work on a uh, yacht in France. Ooh. Um, uh, it was on the, the Marikita. She's a very attractive uh, Fife built. Um, she's the last of what was the 19 meter class. So okay. a pretty big sloop. Uh, and then we did the classic yacht circuit for a year. Is that just cruises or is that cruising and racing? What is that? It's a, that's a, it's a, that, that, that classic yacht circuit in Europe is an interesting kind of thing. They're all privately owned boats, um, like no non-for-profits, no foundations. So they're all, you know, wealthy owners that have these boats that they then take out and race. Um, so we started in England that year, did a couple of races in England with a couple other classic yachts, then eventually moved into the Mediterranean where there's kind of a regular circuit of races that happen every year. Um, so we spent part of the year based in Portsmouth, England, and then spent the rest of it uh, near San Tropez, France. My family, we did a, um, my parents, were, they were big sailors. Now they live like in the mountains in California. Um, so we always had a boat growing up, but I, I, I love being on the water. I love sailing. 
I haven't gotten seasick in years, um, but I it, throw me on a boat and tell me to sail it. I'd be like, I think I can figure this out. I, I kind of do. Oh, I'm much an amateur yeah. sailor. <laughs> <laughs> but we rent, they rented a boat one year, one summer, and we spent two weeks um, sailing along the French Riviera, which I can tell you did oh. not suck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. uh, San Rafael, San Maxime, San Tropez. So um, beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And it was, I mean, it's just... There's a con. We went to con, so we would, you know, just we just basically just stay up late, wake up late, you yeah. know, and just yeah. and have the most. I don't know, sailing along, sailing in the med along the French Riviera. I just it's exactly what you're picturing in your mind. It was is yeah, magical. Provence is a is a great part of the earth. Everyone should spend some time there. I completely agree. There's so many interesting people to meet, and it was just the food. It was wonderful, and so good. It's so good. We went to Nice. Yeah, that was it. Was incredible. Um, so I definitely I envy you. So you spent a year doing that. Uh, it was probably like nine or ten months. It was like yeah. a whole season. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was great. Again, I, I feel really lucky that I got to do it. Not a lot of, you know, it was a very unique experience. It was super great. I didn't, I didn't really fit in with that bunch. Um, uh, <laughs> um, like it wasn't really the, I, I, I'm glad, I, like, like Antarctica, I'm really glad I went and did it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, it was not really the, the like, I'm, I'm like, like seeing like Saint-Tropez every year has their giant, I don't know, I can't remember what they call it. It's just like sail Saint-Tropez or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, like seeing like all the big classic yachts come in and the giant maxis. I mean, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's, it's, there's it's, so it's much nuts. money. There's it's so, so much money. It's and obnoxious. I think, I think that's part of the reason I don't really fit in there. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Coming from the tall ship world, and then <laughs> yeah. right, I'm uh, be tattooed and sarcastic. <laughs> so then, from there, you kind of you went back to Maryland. You were. Captain yeah, well, I, uh, after after the Marikita, I spent some time in France working in a shipyard for a little bit. Um, I did not do good at living in France. I'm never going to be. My, my French is horrible. I'm never. I'm, I'm bad with languages. English is a struggle. Um, so French is always going to be a struggle too. Um, I would have loved to have stayed, but yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't really do it. I couldn't pull it off. I kind of wanted to come back. Um, so yeah, so I came back and wasn't real sure kind of where I was headed, which is when I ended up at Living Classrooms. So you were captain on Lady Maryland? Yeah, for about five years. What is their program? Oh, they're, they're such a huge operation. They have so many, <laughs> so many <laughs> programs. Uh, I specifically worked in Shipboard, which is Lady Maryland. Lady Maryland does uh, field trips in the spring and fall mm -hmm. and then uh, summer camps, overnight programs in the summer. Um, they also have a skipjack. Uh, when I was there, there was also in a shipboard consisted of Lady Maryland, two skipjacks, Sigsby and Mini V, one of which the Mini V is no longer at Living Classrooms. They sold it a couple years ago. And so, and then from there, Sultana. And here yeah. we are. Here we are. What keeps drawing you back? I mean, you've, you've left several times to go and do things that aren't tall ship related, but what kept drawing you back to being with the tall ships? It's that, it's that sense of community and that sense of, of, of like responsible stewardship. Um, I think that always kind of pulls me back in. Uh, and I would say Sultana is a great example of this, you know, like in that we have a fantastic community we serve and a fantastic community that supports us, which kind of makes this fantastically gratifying, which I, I, I don't want to like pick on the yachts. You know I mean, I think it's important that those boats exist, that they're out there. And I, believe me, at the time, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, 
I think in, 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 in ref upon reflection and afterwards, um, I think part of me not fitting in there, I think was that what was missing was that kind of sense of giving to the community and then having a community that is also supportive of it. In the same way, I think like Pride's another great example of that, you know, like where they have like fantastic community support um, mm -hmm. and also like do a ton for their community. So it was great being around there. Living Classrooms, another kind of great version of that. South mm -hmm. Street uh, in New York, which kind of introduced me to it. And, I, I, and again, I don't want to sound like I was clairvoyant when I was 20 being like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. No, <laughs> it was of course, a lot of yeah. small steps kind of between there. But yeah, I mean, the introduction at South Street, which is so involved with their program, which was great, you know what I mean? It kind of got me out of that shop and it kind of was like, here's a whole new world of things you can explore. And yeah, I think I've kept coming back to that model because it's so gratifying. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's the, you know, I, I don't think your commercial yachts and nonprofit tall ships are two completely different worlds. I mean, you're, there's, you know, there is some overlap, obviously, but I agree is that sense of giving back to and passing Absolutely. on your knowledge. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a good feeling. It's uh, it's a wonderful community to be a part of. Yeah, um, and one of the things I love about being here is we're, we're, we're pretty proactive in trying to kind of like create that next step of people. It keeps coming up every year at these tallship conferences that there's not enough people to hire. And I, I think a lot of, I, I think as a community, we could all do ourselves a favor by taking a bit more responsibility and creating that next set of people. Um, and Sultana has been really great at that and the fact that we've been able to kind of pay for a lot of crew members to get licenses um, and kind of like keep that upward progression. So not only are we serving the actual community of students, which is fantastic, not only is the community very supportive of us doing that, we're also kind of hopefully serving the larger tall ship and educational outdoor experience kind of community by creating more people who want to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's something that not a lot of people think of. I'm sure you've heard this before, but we get a lot of questions. You know, How did the ships get here? And you tell them that they're the ships, <laughs> they sailed here. Well, who sails them? Well, right, so, right, there's right. a professional crew on board. What do you mean a professional crew? Right. It's like, yeah, you, this is, this is their career. <laughs> and it's just kind of, and there's this look like, are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> this is, this is a legitimate career. There's a Coast Guard yeah, licenses and everything. Absolutely. So like, oh, are you a volunteer? Like, a, <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do when you grow up? You <laughs> I, mean, I have I have a very specific memory of someone asking. Uh, Jamie Keptrost was uh, driving Pride for a day sail. Like, I can't remember where we were, but someone asked him as we were getting off the dock what he planned on doing when he when he grew up. <laughs> <What did he say>? <laughs> <laughs> which he very calmly responded that he was responsible for their lives for the next two and a half hours. And he, <laughs> he hoped that they would keep that in mind. <laughs> why carry on with Sultana? Why have a Sultana? Why spend all this time training a new workforce when it's, it's a traditional ship? It's a traditional industry. Sure. Um, and there's certainly, uh, that, that, that always is a challenge because there's a lot of, I mean, I think, I think there's rewards to hard work, right? I mean, like, I don't discuss that, I think, I, for, for a long time. But the specific, like, the tasks of kind of, like, operating, especially a colonial vessel, again, like, like Sultana or Lady Washington or even, like, any of the older, like, the boats that are older than that, like the Jamestown boats or, mm -hmm. like, Helmer Nickel. There's definitely a lot of seamanship that is very specific to these kind of older boats that, I, that I, I'm not sure. Like, honestly, like, I don't think it has a giant translation to other stuff i mean yes you can learn to sail other boats with it and like there's a lot of translation to modern sail but 
I, I guess what I'm getting at is I, the, the satisfaction for me, I guess, is in the stewardship of it. And that, and, that, and, that, and that stewardship of maintaining a great history, like, you know, all mm -hmm. these boats kind of represent a specific history, um, a specific time mm -hmm. uh, of seamanship. Uh, and that, that, that stewardship becomes important. And again, like the hard work and the kind of like the, the rewards that come from that hard work. But yeah, I, I, this is something I've struggled with over the past couple of years of like, how do I, how do I sell to a bunch of <laughs> outdoor educators? Um, <laughs> You know, the fact that they want to be here because you know I mean? like none of them are getting paid a ton um i mean I, I think we pay pretty good compared to a lot of the rest of the fleet but again like none of these no one's going to retire early uh <laughs> being a deckhand or a mate on these boats uh and it's a lot of work so yeah i, I it's something I, I think i've kind of struggled with myself and i'm trying to like how do i convince this and you know the rewards i think are you know for a lot of people are for a lot of the people for a lot of people that work for us i think the rewards are the teaching experience mm -hmm. um like we generally speaking we see about 4000 kids a year in field oh, trips oh gosh yeah yeah we do two field trips a day well, not wow. this year clearly yeah yeah but, yeah uh, most years yeah <laughs> um, so that's not a like lot global of pandemic years yeah, understood exactly, yeah. yes non... <laughs> I know. So that's a lot of teaching experience. And I think that's a, a pretty valuable reward in itself. A lot of people, I think, move from here into other teaching positions, be them either kind of like classroom teaching positions or other environmental outdoor ed positions. So I think that's something that's, um, it's great to see. That, that, that said, there are a number of people who work for us who I think are very gratified in that kind of that, like I said, that historical stewardship as well, that this boat is so unique. And if you can kind of, you know, if, if generally speaking, if you can kind of master these more complicated, older vessels, the, the more modern sailing vessels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I guess, you know, I try to keep all these options open for everyone who shows up here and hope that they find one of them. I mean, I think, I think everyone needs to kind of find their own path like of that stewardship and like what of that stewardship is most interesting. Is it the historical parts? Is it the seamanship specifically? Is it the environmental outreach? Is it the teaching skills? Like there's so many of those different skills that kind of play into what we ball up into this kind of umbrella of, of, of stewardship. I, I hope someone finds some part of it. Because as long as I can keep them motivated and excited, I feel like they need. Then we get tons done. <laughs> it's great. Everyone has a great time. You want to, any hilarious story that you want to tell? Oh my gosh, there's so many stories I wouldn't even know where to begin. I feel like I'm only going to get myself in trouble, right? Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> Um, well, I think my last the, my last request to you is if you want to, if there's anything you want to plug, I mean, I know you've been talking about Sultana a lot, but if there's any any new programs that you guys have coming up in the meantime? I mean, I don't know, nothing, nothing specific. Um, I mean, I think we all need plug, you mm -hmm. know, to be plugged right now. I'm mm -hmm. sure this is a, a great way to kind of keep everyone's interest going. So I think this is, so I, I guess I applaud you. I'm plugging you. Oh. Yeah, way, well, way to thanks. go, Aaron, for keeping the community <laughs> yeah. rolling along and everyone interested. Yeah, right. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I do appreciate yeah, yeah. you taking the time. It's been a real pleasure. It's always nice catching up with you. And yes. I will see you at Downrigging Weekend. Yes, absolutely. A bark, a brig, and a schooner walk into a bar is a Tall Ships America production. Theme music provided by Kebab Studios. Send us your sea stories or drop us a line at manager at tallshipsamerica.org. 
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Tall Ships America and our website, tallshipsamerica.org. As always, be sure to support your local tall ship.